Welcome to the Minerals and Royalties Podcast Philanthropy Series, where giving and gratitude meet the minerals and royalty space. Hey guys, this is Tim Powell from the Minerals and Royalties Council. I recently sat down with Cutler Guest, Principal at Montego Minerals, to walk through some of the philanthropic endeavors he and his family have worked on over the years. Let's jump into the episode and hear more of what Cutler had to say. Cutler, good afternoon, and welcome back to the podcast. Uh, we, we did an episode with you last year on the Montego Mineral story, and we're excited about our new philanthropy series we're doing on the podcast, and uh, can't wait for you to talk about some of the stuff you and your family have been involved in and promote the causes that you guys are passionate about. So thanks for coming back on. Tim, absolutely. It's great to be here and always great to talk with you. So I'm, I'm excited about this opportunity. Awesome. So let's start out, you know, I, what I think as I've gotten involved in philanthropy and gotten involved in others who have done tremendous things, there's always a story around it, something that grabs your heart or someone who inspires you to get involved in it. Tell me a little bit of a background on yourself and your family and some of the stuff you guys have done over the years, and then we'll get into some specific causes. That sounds great. So yeah, I've noticed that a lot of my family kind of picks a specific thing that they're passionate about, kind of becomes their go-to, um, I'd say philanthropy. For instance, my parents were very involved with their church. They taught classes, they led retreats and different things like that. My wife was very involved with Young Life, so that was inspirational to see. Uh, my grandmother, actually, we call her Gran. She's a very entertaining figure. Um, she used to be involved with the Friends of the Library, which is like a secondhand bookstore. Uh, that helps with the Midland County Library. So she would recruit us. That's, you know, the way to put it when we were young to help with the bookstore and some of the big uh, different venues they put on and stuff like that. So from a younger age, it was just, you know, it was commonplace, right? Uh, from all sides of the family to get involved in the community is, and first hand, so you can touch and feel it, right? Absolutely. Uh, there's a big part of Midland that's a very um, charitable town. It's a boom and bust town. So you have people helping each other and neighbors and projects. Uh, there are a lot of generosity. A lot of people do under the radar help without much recognition. Uh, so it's a really kind of unique environment. Yeah, I really got started in philanthropy out of inspiration from uh, clients of mine in Calgary. And Calgary is, you know, 99% of the oil patch in Canada is based in downtown Calgary. And that city's been built on philanthropy. It's the same thing, right? Boom and bust. People, you know, when times are good, people are doing well, but the ones that have done well have built hospitals, parks, schools, you name it. And it's just, you really feel good about humanity when you start to learn about what's being done. And, and yeah, Midland's an all-gas town. So a hundred percent, I can, can agree with, with everything you're saying. It makes total sense. Let, let's jump into some of the things that y'all have been directly involved in it in a bigger way. Um, the Bush Tennis Center is something that we talked about offline. Can you give a little background on the Bush Test Center and Jim Henry's vision for it and just from kind of groundworks to where it is today and your involvement along the way? Sure. So I just moved back to Midland. I was a young man and my childhood tennis coach gave me a call and said, hey, do you want to help out with this project? Uh, it's a real pet project of Jim Henry. And so, of course, I was excited. He's kind of an iconic guy in Midland, very big in philanthropy and helping others. He does a lot under the radar type help. And just a little background on Jim Henry. He's um, CEO of Henry Petroleum, and uh, they have been around for, I think they celebrated their 50-year anniversary uh, not too long ago. And he and his crew were credited with really kind of bringing George Mitchell's frack technology to the Wolf Camp in Sprayberry. 
and I think they coined the phrase the Wolfberry. They used a slick water frack and really unlocked a lot of that, what we now see in the Permian Basin. So on a philanthropy scope, he's really well known, but also on the operating side, he's, he's a prominent figure. So of course I was excited to jump in and do anything I could. So I, yeah, seized the opportunity and it was a really cool experience. And, and when is this exactly, just for reference? This is probably an early 08, 09. 2010, 2011, that kind of time frame. So we started off um, with the steering committee. Uh, Jim Henry had this vision of a public tennis center that would help both Midland Odessa, the Permian Basin, uh, after school programs for kids. And the goal was tennis for all, no economic barriers or, or any other barriers like that. So it was a really admirable cause. Uh, he's a tennis player himself and uh, tennis can be played year round in Midland uh, just because of the weather. Uh, it's, a, it's a windy place, so if you can play tennis in the wind in Midland, you can play anywhere. So it's, uh, it was an admirable cause, and I was excited just to be a part of it. And so jumping in at the steering committee level, and, and you know, I learned a lot. There's different things I learned. I learned that, you know, having someone like Jim Henry spearhead a project really helps, but also having the talent of lots of people that give a lot of time to these type of causes. So I, I discovered that there's a whole group of people, usually, you know, in uh, most communities and things like that, they give a lot of time. They're very good at what they do. They understand how boards work, how fundraising works, how construction works, and all these people kind of come together to really make somebody's vision happen. And there's a lot that goes to it. I think that, you know, Jim Henry could have funded the thing himself. He actually had just at that time sold Henry Petroleum to Concha Resources. And it was pretty fascinating at that time to bring in the big operators also. Uh, Jim Henry brought Concho in and they funded the center court. Um, he worked with Pioneer and they funded an aspect of it. And you have these big companies that really contribute kind of big chunks of the finances. But you also have a whole layer of people that donate you know, time and a good amount of money. And that really makes up a lot of how these projects get done. And then you also have a base layer of, you know, you want hundreds or thousands of people in the community just donating any amount of money uh, because it builds that kind of momentum and people involvement and people begin to care about the project. They're on the email list. They get invited to the events. So there's a whole uh, aspect of it that whether it's $50 or $50,000, you want as much involvement as possible because it really brings the community to care about the project. And that was something that Jim Henry really focused on. Yeah, that's, that's really cool. You know, one thing too, to point out, you talk about the different skill sets and the people involved. I mean, what people don't understand, right, is sometimes you need like accounting background, you need financial background, legal, legal work. And a lot of this stuff can be given in kind. It's not all about writing checks. And when you're looking at a project like that, it becomes a business. Like a perfect example of this years ago, there was a little nonprofit group that I started for young professionals around philanthropy. And Chuck Davidson, who's the former CEO of Noble, he's now a venture partner at Quantum. He came and, and talked about his his role in philanthropy over the years. And, it's, you know, he does a lot to a lot of causes. And he was at the time, I don't know if he still is, was chairman of the Houston Food Bank. And when he started talking about that operation, I mean, we're talking tens of thousands of employees. I mean, the logistical nature of the Houston Food Bank firing like a well-oiled machine was incredible. And I thought to myself, there's no coincidence that Chuck Davidson's the chairman of this. Because only he would have that kind of skill set running a company as big as Noble, Noble Energy. So 
there, there's a there's all sorts of ways to get involved in philanthropy. That's what I, th- I found is really cool. Whereas growing up, I always thought it was you go to the soup kitchen or you write a check and there's nothing in between. And that's such a uh, an ignorant perspective, right? But anyways, um, no, that that's great. Thanks for for telling that story. One other thing that you want to talk about, and it's it's deeply personal. Um, so I appreciate you sharing that. Let's transition into the the foundation, the scholarship that you and your wife have done for your family. I'll let, I'll let you take it away. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'll, I'll finish up uh, with a story about the Bush Tennis Center. It was really great. Uh, Jim Henry, you know, could have named it the Henry uh, Tennis Center, but he wanted to name it after a prominent Midland figure, W. Bush. And uh, so he um, worked out the logistics, raised the money, got the construction, built the tennis center. It was great. Uh, Jim Henry lent his office space for us to meet weekly and have lunch. A really humble guy and, and his giving of that. And uh, so once we completed construction, uh, he invited the president down and W came down and cut the ribbon and gave a speech. And it was really cool. Um, fun little story is that, so I worked with my granddad and we'd shared offices. We'd had Fox News on for years and especially the last two years of the Bush administration and, and things like that. So, you know, just thought it'd be kind of fun. We went to pictures with President Bush and I introduced myself and uh, he looks past me. He goes, Monty, is that you? <laughs> Turned around to my granddad. Monty jokes and says, um, yeah, yeah, how you doing, W? He goes, I've been great. Uh, where you been? My grandfather fires back pretty quick. Been waiting for you to bring me a good deal. It's been a while. And uh, so, you know, after that, I chuckled. I was like, granddad, you know, there was probably about six years of opportunity. You could have said you knew him, uh, but you never did. That's kind of a old school way that my granddad operated and is just a fun little um, bit of him I didn't know, even working next door to him. So th- that was interesting. Hey guys, I wanted to take a quick break from the conversation to say thank you to Noble Royalties for sponsoring our Minerals and Royalties podcast. As a leader in the minerals and royalties space since 1997, Noble remains committed to creative solutions for others who may be rethinking their risk tolerance. In order to adjust to the current market cycle, Noble thinks it might be time to reset, rethink, and redeploy capital differently. If you're interested in exploring ways to work with Noble, then please give Chase Morris a call at 972-788-5823 or email him at cmorris at nobleroyalties.com. I also want to thank Enveris, a leading energy SaaS company that has software platforms designed to empower oil and gas companies through analytics and highly technical insights. MineralSoft is Enveris' mineral management platform that enables owners to capture missing revenue and maximize the value of their minerals portfolios. EnergyLink is Enverse's platform for automating joint venture and owner relations business processes. If you're interested in learning more about Enverse, MineralSoft, and EnergyLink, then please visit www.enverse.com or email businessdevelopment at enverse.com. Thanks. Now let's jump back into the episode. That, um, that's, that's a great story. By the way, that's the Midland way, right? Yeah. It's just the low profile, not being flashy. That, that doesn't surprise me. I mean, your dad and your granddad's generation it's you know a lot of folks made a lot of wealth it's just you're living in the community it's just another person you're doing deals and it's just the all business right Um, absolutely yeah yeah there's a lot of humility there and and a lot of people that give uh do a lot of things that they intentionally don't want other people to know about things like that learned a, a lot of that with working with jim henry and the people that donate to similar causes and things like that so it was a real kind of inspirational way to look at philanthropy i hadn't thought about before and it kind of came into play a little bit uh shortly thereafter i'll transition to my wife and i 
we were pregnant with our second child, Mercer Michael Gist, there in Midland, Texas. And um, early on in the pregnancy, we found out that there uh, was a tumor involved. Didn't know what that meant. We didn't have much medical background or my, my wife knew a little bit more than I did. So we relocated to Houston. They wanted us in the care of uh, Children's Memorial Hermann, world-renowned hospital. It's fantastic. It's actually a nonprofit hospital. Um, it was started by, I think it was George Herman and a Baptist pastor. George Herman himself was an oil investor. He had left a, a large um, estate, including mineral rights and different things to start this hospital. And so we relocate to Houston. We're learning a lot as we go. The doctors, the nurses, all these specialists, they have tier one ICUs, a, a lot of like medical technology that we were not familiar with. And we were doing daily sonograms. It was a time where uh, early on in this pregnancy, we didn't know what was going on. We didn't know heads from tails or, or what was going on. And they did a really good job of explaining to us about you know, how the next six months were gonna look. So we monitored this tumor uh, over the course of the pregnancy, went in daily, you know, watched as the tumor grew. Um, it competed for blood uh, with our son. And so it was a very stressful time to, to watch this on a black and white sonogram type machine and rely on these doctors and nurses to kind of translate everything for us as it's going on. And the staff there at Herman Memorial uh, is just phenomenal. I mean, the doctors, they do this for a living. They do this day in, day out with people that are in extremely unique situations. I can't imagine how they do that and, and go to work the next day and do it again. It, it blows my mind. And there's something special about people that take that calling in life, spend hours a day doing that, and then go home to their own family. It, it's pretty remarkable. And we had, uh, I think it was Dr. Ken Moise and his wife, Karen. She uh, kind of ran the books, the nurses. She was a mother figure there. She gave hugs and created such a family environment. We really got to know everybody there well. And uh, so we felt very comfortable and went through this process for, for the remainder of the pregnancy. Um, and we felt pretty good. The tumor was growing, uh, but, you know, we, we saw a light at the end of the tunnel that you know, if we can get to 24 weeks, 26 weeks, 28 weeks, 30 weeks, we got to 32, 34 weeks. So we'd survived this long period of watching this tumor grow in these sonograms. And the day for delivery came, uh, my wife and I had been uh, mentally and prepared and, you know, faith kind of plays an aspect in all this as well. You kind of um, get to see God in your fellow humans and in and, and the unknown and in situations you can't control. Uh, that becomes a big part of, of going through these types of journeys. And we um, were ready. Dr. Melise was ready. And uh, we gave birth to Mercer Michael Gist on October 2nd. Uh, that was in 2012. And it's actually kind of special. Uh, in a Christian calendar, October 2nd is the Memorial for Guardian Angels. And uh, so that always meant something pretty special to us. And so we thought, all right, let's remove this tumor and let's get on. We had the dreams of you know, our, our sons would have only been a year apart, you know, playing baseball together, second base and shortstop, you know, growing up together, picking fights together, whatever kids do. And then, so there's a lot of dreams and hopes and excitement, you know, around this situation. Well, as delivery happens, um, we find out that there's a lot of people coming in the room, specialists, nurses, doctors, doctors we hadn't met. And my wife knew that something was up. I, I really, it took me a little bit longer. So there's a pretty big surgery for her. Tumor was about four pounds. So it was almost like having twins. So our son was just around six pounds, tumor was four pounds. And so it was a big surgery and they take her away um, after delivery to, you know, st stitch her up. And I'm with our son Mercer 
And as all these people are huddling around him, they take me to another part of the hospital. And I, you know, I'm pretty concerned at that time. That that's something was up. And so a team of doctors came in and said, um, you know, we're we don't know how to say this, but your son is not meant for this life, is the way they phrased it. I'll never forget that. It was, it was pretty amazing because I thought, surely he looks great. He's got a full head of blonde hair. And, you know, let's just cut this tumor off. And let's, you know, get on with our life. Well, one of the doctors that had been with us for a long period of the time, he came from CHOP, which is the Children's Hospital of uh, Philadelphia, I believe. Real cool guy, off the cuff kind of speaker. He came in after they left and he goes, this is our oh shit moment. The tumor was just distracting us from, we didn't notice that certain systems hadn't developed lungs, digestion, things like that. So Mercer was, uh, you know, not able to live outside of the womb. And so we began, I had to tell my wife and the doctors and nurses there were phenomenal. They, they helped us over the next seven days. She had to heal for a couple of days. And the uh, pediatric ICU at Memorial Hermann is bar none. It's one of the best I've, you know, the only one I've been to, but just the, the people, the nurses, the doctors, and in those situations, most families through there with, through there with them day and night, 24 hours a day. So you get to know the other families in there and most situations are pretty grim. Uh, that's why you're there. So there's a real strength kind of comes from that. Uh, I feel like we felt our certain Jesus moments and all that. And, and we knew like, you know, with the support of family and friends that we would be able to get through this. And so Mercer lived for about seven days and we had to plan a funeral and um, travel back to Midland. And people helped us with that, that wanted to go unknown and different things, which is great. And planning a funeral for your child is never something anyone wants to do. It's just kind of a tough situation. And again, another aspect of this is the people at the funeral home in Midland were just remarkable. These are people that are dealing with parents or, or children at their most difficult points, planning something that nobody really wants to plan. And they were just fantastic in, in helping us and patiently bringing us through it and saying the right things at the right time or not saying anything at all sometimes. It's just, there's so many different ways to react and help people. And um, we experienced that. I mean, our son, oldest son was one at the time. And so we still had somebody to focus on and really kind of try to help him uh, through a lot of this. And so, uh, you know, it really took the wind out of our sails uh, for a couple of years, but we had the, the community really helped us. Friends and family poured out and really helped us. And we feel like, you know, there's so much that people give. Time is so helpful, you know, or just a ear to listen to or, or different things that, you know, it's hard to understand what somebody else is going through. And sometimes just being there physically is a huge gift and different things like that. My uh, siblings actually wrote a book. They compiled a bunch of poems and stories our experiences that they had with Mercer in those seven days of just being by him. You know, we tried to have somebody by him 24 hours a day. So there were people that had their own time with him in the middle of the night and different things like that. So, you know, they compiled this book, um, beautiful stories. I had an illustrator kind of make some drawings of, you know, him and some of these stories. And it was just a really nice way to, for us to try to, you know, tell our one-year-old, you know, bedtime stories and a little bit about his brother and things like that. So, it was a very difficult moment in our lives, but it also helped us, I think, forge you know, a, a family where we felt that we could go through almost anything. And, you know, that took a couple of years and it, it is challenging, but there's a lot of people that go through it and there's a lot of ways to help people in, in situations. And 
when you have dreams of a future and that dramatically changes, it's helpful to find ways to redirect those dreams. The dreams we had for Mercer may not have been realized, but we can help other people with their dreams. We can you know, help people and support their going through tough times. And um, that's something that we began to look at and try to think about how can we do that. Uh, one of the ways that really meant a lot to my wife and I, I was starting a scholarship program at, at Texas Tech. There was an endowment at the time that was very generous and it was matching funds. I thought that was a really cool way to help people realize their dreams. And so we set this scholarship up. I'm really glad you actually mentioned uh, this podcast, Tim, because I kind of went through and read through some of the letters and it's pretty amazing. It'd been a while since I'd read some of them and the scholarship, the Mercer Michael Gist scholarship helps two to four kids with tuition every year at Texas Tech. And these letters just mean so much. It's young people that are driven, they have their dreams, they help out in their own communities, they volunteer their own time, and they're giving uh, so much of themselves. It's nice to be able to play a very small part of that, of them paying it forward in their lives. And, and you know, some of the people, I just wrote some of this down, it's actually fascinating. I mean, there's some of these children, or I guess kids, college, uh, we have some math majors, some agriculture majors, theater, physics, landscape architecture, civil engineering, animal sciences, which is a pre-vet, uh, math and statistics, music major, and all these kids write us these letters and tell us about themselves. And they're wildly inspirational. I, you know, much more mature than I was in college and much more mature than I probably am now. But these young kids are involved in uh, their communities, their local theaters, their different uh, science programs. Uh, one young lady was doing research at the Atmospheric Science Group, studying the effects of dust particles on lung cells. And if you've ever lived in West Texas, you know that dust particles are a big part of the environment out there. So seeing little things like that and knowing that there's so many lives out there and each person has a unique story, their own trials and tribulations that they're faced with. It, it's a good reminder of, of how small we are, but we can all play a small part in each other's lives. And, and that's huge for us. And it, reading those together has helped us in some ways kind of heal and, and vicariously live through their dreams of what perhaps Mercer would have been interested in. I mean, from music, you know, the going band from Raiderland to civil engineering or agriculture and, you know, all these different groups that they're in, you know, it's nice to think that our son would have been involved in some of that. And um, some of these kids played sports, soccer, volleyball, baseball, uh, different things. And, and it's really nice to see that when people need help, there's a whole lot of people out there that want to help. You know, and that's just something that we've been real proud of and, and passionate about. Wow. Thanks for sharing that. First, you know, father to father, husband to husband, you know, I, I can't imagine what you guys went through and you turned it into such a beautiful thing, right? And, you know, for those who've done business with you, Cutler, it's, you know, none of this stuff is ever fair, but you are such a great guy and you have such a great family with family values. It just, it doesn't seem fair this happened to you, but, you know, maybe it was, it was in, in God's plan for your family to help these other families and you're, you're touching the lives of so many kids. And the way, you know, you can just take that perspective and say, well, you know, look at all these kids and we're part of their life now. I mean, what an incredible thing. My hat's off to you. I mean, I'm, I'm tearing up a little bit. Thank you for sharing that. What, what an incredible story. And, Absolutely. you know, is there any way, you know, people can, if the story touches them, just contribute to the scholarship or, or anything? I mean, 
I, I know I'm going to speak to my wife right after this. I, we would love to do a, a small contribution. Just what, what a great thing. That, that's the beautiful thing about philanthropy and why we're doing this is because I've known you now for, for a couple of years and I would never know what you've been through, right? But my respect for you is was already high. It's it's tripled. It's 10x because my respect for you just as a as a father and a, a husband is it's just incredible for how you handle that. So anyone, if you want to just share any information on it, and I'm sure people will reach out to you privately if they want to get involved. But uh, I'll leave the floor to you to to close out the episode. But thanks again for coming on, Color. Really incredible. Thank you, Sam. I really appreciate the opportunity and the. Yes, people can donate. It's the Mercer Michael Gist Scholarship at Texas Tech. And if you want more information, yeah, definitely please contact me. We're very um, motivated and, and time and money do help. And, and we've gone on now to have our third child, our daughter. She's five years old now. So she's filled a big void in our heart. And um, just all the parents out there, you know, family and kids are, are and faith are, are what matters. That's all. It's such a great ending to the story is that you guys had another daughter, right? Because I think that would, that's all, there's, there's no way to replace Mercer, but you know, there's a lot of pain there, I'm sure, if you didn't have another child out there. So I'm really, really glad to hear that. You know, we, we had a close family friend from my, my wife's side. They lost a one-year-old to a very, very rare disease. And it's just, it was so heartbreaking to see. And they had miscarriage after miscarriage after that. And then they had their first child when the mother turned 40. And I got to tell you, like, the outpour of love they had it was just everyone wanted it for them and they were they were ready to be the get best freaking parents right because you have such an appreciation for the you know the all the the crap that we might complain about on a day-to-day it doesn't really matter when you deal with something like that right so it's just uh, again hats off color it's just incredible well that's beautiful thank you for sharing that that gives me goosebumps and i you know sometimes it's hard to know, to know what to say in a situation like that but sometimes just being there and just Lending an ear is what matters. So I'm really glad that your friends were able to have that child. Absolutely. Well, thanks again, my friend, uh, for coming on. I, I think this is going to be, I, I think the minerals community is is better uh, because of this story. And thanks for, I'm, I'm glad you're a part of it. So until I'm, I'm in Midland next, can't wait to see you again and, and buy you a drink. But I, I appreciate your time and coming on. Absolutely, Tim. Really appreciate talking to you as always. And I look forward to seeing you next time. Hey guys, thanks for listening to this episode of the podcast. I hope you enjoyed Over the years, our team at the Minerals and Royalties Council has had the pleasure of witnessing our industry's incredible generosity and the impact that they've made on the communities they operate in. Therefore, we wanted to champion these individuals and companies and shine a light on the causes that they are so passionate about. If you are touched by Cutler's inspiring story and wish to contribute to the Mercer Michael Guest Scholarship Fund, then please visit donate.give2tech.com and that's give2, the number 2, tech.com Go to the search for a specific fund option, type in Mercer, and then select the option Mercer Michael Gist Scholarship Endowment. Thanks, and see you next time.